Hello, I'm Isaac. And I'm Jay. Uh, If you're anything like us, almost on a daily basis, you're hearing stories or accusations about how either the Bible is is evil or it's crazy or how some Christian or Christian theology is actually hurting the world. And if you're like us, you have this kind of gut-level tension that says there's all these hard, complex issues that are out there, but deep down you know the things that are being said about Christianity, Jesus, the Bible aren't true. You know deep down that the Bible and Christian theology is beautiful and and following Jesus is this amazing experience and it's good for the world. It creates flourishing for humanity. And so for the Regen podcast, we're here to wrestle with all of those difficult issues, the things you're wrestling with, the things you're hearing about. And at the end of the day, we believe the Bible has the best answers to the most difficult questions that are out there. Yeah, and our hope for this podcast and for the conversations we want to have with each other and with all these people from all over the world and the conversations we want to have with you is that these conversations would fill you with hope and that they would equip you and inspire you with confidence to be able to share that hope um, with the people in your life. And many of us who are listening are church leaders. Uh, Many of us are high school students or college students or 20-somethings. Many of us are parents who are wrestling with the questions that our kids are asking, that are becoming questions that we're now asking. And um, whoever you are, wherever you're from, our hope is that this podcast would feel like a space where you can bring your doubts and your confusion and have the confidence in knowing that the story of the Bible has not only a response, but a fresh new vision for all of the the doubts and the confusion that you're dealing with. So we're really glad you're listening and um, we're really glad you're on this journey with us and we're looking forward to where it takes us. Hey, again, I'm Jay, and um, I serve on staff at a local church here in Santa Cruz, California, and I've been serving in the local church um, for about 15 years, and it's been an interesting journey, and the Regen podcast, the Regeneration Project, first and foremost, and now this podcast really for me is an extension of a passion of mine in response to so much of the wrestling and struggling that I've seen in the hearts and minds of so many people that I've served over the years. And I have the great privilege of serving on the leadership team of the Regeneration Project. And um, I'll be, I'll be Jumping into this podcast with all of you listening um, alongside my good friend, Isaac. Yeah, hello. So I serve as a pastor as well as well in the Bay Area. Uh, sort of my journey in this has been similar where I started off as as a youth pastor, um, just wanting young people to, to know and love Jesus. And as I was in youth ministry for quite some time, you're just wrestling with all these just deep issues that students are being confronted with. And ultimately, that led me to say, okay, more than just being a youth pastor directly for these students, we got to start doing some big level thinking as a church in the country to know our culture and know what our kids are wrestling with and what our young people are wrestling with. And so um, I transitioned to serve as a lead pastor outside of the youth pastor to kind of get churches thinking theologically being biblically grounded, being centered on the person and work of Jesus. And so it's it's been a blast working with Regen, putting on forums and events and teaching series to, to do deep theology, to do deep work with the text and the Bible. And again, it's because we believe it 
um, has really the best answers for life's most difficult questions. For our first podcast, we have Dan Kimball with us as a guest, and he's really the kind of heart and brains behind Regen. He's the director of the Regeneration Project and really was the one to get this off the ground and, and running. And Dan has served in ministry for, for decades and has seen so many changes take place. Um, there's one key story you have, Dan, that really, for me, illustrates what Regen is all about. It's the story of that, that one, uh, it was a young person writing you emails, and you kind of had this back and forth exchange, and then it turned out to be kind of a surprise ending and really fueled uh, some of your passion to do what we're, we're doing. So, you know, you know what story I'm talking about? Yes, I do. It was, uh, we was, I was leading a young adult ministry that was quite large and it had a spectrum of uh, all different people of beliefs in it. So it was always an adventure that way. And I started getting some emails from a guy named Brad and this email was sort of questions from uh, a lot were from the old testament questions about everything from uh, you know should you be cutting the hair on the side of your head to tattoos and then some are more serious about polygamy and slavery and things that were coming out of the bible asking specific questions and they're all done like in a negative sense like how can the bible really say this and so getting this email I, emails, I would take the time to start answering each one, like pretty articulately, yeah, yeah. and I'd study and send something back. Uh, and so then almost it felt like within a minute or two after I'd send one back an answer, he would then send me another question. And this might be an, another strange one. And, and some of them were, again, really serious about uh, out of the scriptures about why do we believe what we do, violence that God would have um, allegedly commanded things like that so i finally said i can't keep emailing i'm like let's meet up and i said let's meet up on sunday night after the uh gatherings over and so i was just hanging out and i heard dan and i look over and i was expecting you know a 25 year old a 23 year old yeah. somebody that might be in college or something and i look and it was this young kid and he's he was in eighth grade it turned out wow and so he's just he's like yeah I have these. i'm like you're Brad? And he's like, yes. Like, you're the one that's been emailing me these questions. And I'm like, where are you getting these questions? How are you coming up with these things? And then he just says, there's a website called evilbible.com. And it turned out from talking to him, and he was coming with his parents. So it was actually his family was coming. That's why he was there. He would hear me talk. He got to know me a little bit from that part of things. Then he started looking things up. He found this website. And it's just filled with, it's kind of like an anti-Bible website, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Bible. still up. Dot com. Yeah. Yep. And the whole thing is all about, uh, you know, like, the, do you realize what's in there? It's wickedness. It promotes hatred. And this young guy found this, and then he was reading these things and then cutting and pasting the questions and sending to me. That's why I had so many. And I was not aware of that because as a leader at that time, I was focusing on how do we bring art into the... Uh, into the church more how do we you know do community better all, all of these kind of things and i wasn't paying as much attention to those kind of even uh, not just typical apologetic stuff but stuff that was like pretty intentionally trying to discredit the bible and then saying the bible is an evil book that started a opening of my mind and my eyes to paying attention to this and then i started seeing it more and more and more and more all over the place, you know, yeah. 
and so I think like there became a rising because of the rise of the internet. There was a rise of, which is good, questions questioning the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the church was prepared to be answering those. And you had, a, had generations that were growing up getting totally caught off guard by these kind of questions. Yeah. There's that um, book that you showed me once, Dan, the um, awkward, awkward children. Moments, children's Bible. Yeah, awkward yeah. moments. And there's one image that's just so seared into my mind. It's the Noah's Ark story. Yeah. And it's seared into my mind because, man, I love that story growing up in the church as a kid, right? said to Noah, you're good. Yeah. And all the animals, and they're so cute and fluffy, and you can pet them. Little panda bear. Yeah, it was great, right? Yeah. And then this book, it's like it shows you the story sort of in its entirety, which you always forget the countless people dying yeah. in the water. It's brutal, right? brutal story. Right. And it's, it's a great illustration of what you're saying. It's like the stuff we, I don't know. I loved my church growing up, and I'm so grateful for how, how they nurtured me and cared for me. But they for sure did not tell me the Noah's Ark story that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we just skipped entire chunks of Joshua where God says, go and wipe out this entire, this entire nation of yeah, people. Yeah. Well, you the know, focus is more on the, like the song Joshua, uh, built the, was it Joshua? I, I didn't grow up. There's a song where you march around the walls of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Yes. Yeah. Right. So they focus on the walls coming, tumbling down. They're not saying, you know, killed all the women and kids. Like, yes. So they don't have, uh, <laughs> yeah, know, totally. Yeah. And, and I think like in that book that you're saying, what was going on is the more that this was always there, but the church overall sort of surface skim taught that stuff to yeah. younger people. And, and, and when you get older, you just don't question it as much. But now the questions are coming. So, like you said, that image on the cover of this very well done creative book. And I admire the guy for his creativity and what he's doing from his mindset. He's wanting to educate Christians to say, like, do you really know what's in the Bible that you believe in? And he's doing it very creatively and pointing out that picture. So, you have this children's illustration of the ark with all of these dead bodies floating on the water. Right. You know, so, like, you don't normally think through. And there was who knows how many people were, you know, killed, babies drowning, parents probably holding up their kids as they drowned as a family, you know, people being bashed against rocks with waves. Like, we kind of ignore that and just give out little models of ark and animals, you know, to, to kids. Yeah, they're incomplete. They're incomplete versions of the stories. No, right. Same thing with the Joshua story, all of the, the killings. I had a guy that was, uh, this was fairly recently, a college student um, here at UCSC, University of California, Santa Cruz, uh, contacted their university leader that said, I can't be in your group anymore. And so she ended up sending them him to me. And I met with him, and he had this letter. It was a very articulate letter saying, I grew up hearing these stories, but I never really paid attention to them. Now, as a college student, I'm actually really reading it. And one of them was, you know, I was, we, we were in horror thinking about how Herod would murder these children in Bethlehem, yeah. two years old and under, and like slaughter mm-hmm. them. And we were like, that's evil. That's wicked. And then it suddenly dawned on him because he was reading Exodus with his study group. God commanded or God did the same thing yeah. to the Egyptian children, the firstborn right. of Pharaoh for the in the in the plagues. And so he's like suddenly he suddenly had this picture of God. Why are we in horror about 
that with Herod doing it, yet God did sort of the same thing with the firstborn of these children dying. I'm sorry, the families dying, their kids. And he's suddenly like, how come I've never even thought about this or heard about this? And then the, it's really fascinating because he's like, so I went online. The letter actually says this. I went online and I found a website, evilbible.com. Yeah. It's the same one as this, as I've heard before from that other, that eighth grader kid a yeah. couple years earlier. And that's why we're in such a different time period today where you can, on your phone, you can look up the problematic Bible verses and they're right there for people. And all of a sudden, the authority, well, the pastor has all of the answers and things like that. Now they're, it's all over for access. And then if you have a bent to try to disprove, which has always happened, disprove the faith or discredit the Bible, mm-hmm. all of this information of what's been in the Bible is now being brought to the attention of Christians who are being caught off guard in how to respond to it. That's different than in years past, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the major challenges now is the number of voices out there mm-hmm. and the number of loud voices out there. You know, the Oxford Dictionary every year puts out a word of the year. And I think for 2016, it was the word was post-truth. And a lot of mm-hmm. people have talked about this. It's so interesting because po- if post-truth is the word of the year, that for sure means something about our yeah. cultural moment. And I, I think from where I sit, one of the things it absolutely means is that confusion runs rampant. Yeah. You know, it's an, it's an incredibly confusing time. And because there are so many voices too, it's hard to know who to believe or who to listen to. That's one of our hopes with this whole podcast yeah. is for us to introduce people um, to some voices that are reliable and have something really compelling and wonderful and beautiful and and true to say about God and, and the Bible. Dan, I want to bring you back just so the people listening can kind of understand um, how critical of a moment this is. So Dan was, 15 years ago, Dan was writing the books, speaking at the biggest conferences. I mean, he, he wrote the textbook on how to do church differently. The introduction is by Rick Warren. Um, and Dan, you at that time were saying, hey, churches need to be to be more relevant. Um, and so we, again, like you said, we need to, to do music differently. We need to do service flow differently, but they were all style kind of issues. Um, and that's what was working with that big youth, young adult ministry you had. It was primarily a different way to to do church style, style wise. But but now the the average person in your youth group or average person at at the community college next to to your town, they actually think the Bible is is evil and a book that is used to oppress and to keep people down. It's inherently racist. It's mythological, and no one with the right mind can believe it. So the shift that you picked up on really was to go with your word post-truth was a change from style stuff to, no, we're actually talking about kind of fundamental existential questions about like truth, humanity, and purpose. And that is a world of difference between like, okay, we're bringing in drums into our main sanctuary. Yeah, I think like uh, 15, 20 years ago, I mean, through every generation, you're going to have stylistic methodology type of uh, changes that are going to happen. That's just going to be normal. But the difference this time is that we have ignored most churches. There there were some churches that have been like totally, and I won't even say a little sometimes more of the fundamentalist kind of churches that have focused so much like on Bible, 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 
and not as much met- methodology or connecting with culture or evangelism. But what's happening today is that we're so many conferences, it's all about church growth and video venues and like, and, uh, you know, you go to, it's like, you know, let's have laser, laser lights and so much even on worship. And that's a whole other topic that I think we have ignored teaching younger people the basics of theology, which should have just been happening all along. And that so much of the Bible, they're totally not aware of. So they're, so then when they see things, there's a, uh, um, it's first started in Germany and a news, uh, some news cat, clever news group did this. And then they've repeated it in the States a couple times is they took the cover of a, of a Quran and they put it over a Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go out in the street and they say, you know, because the assumption, they read passages that are about like, um, you know, when the woman reaches over to help her husband in a fight, you know, cut her hand off. Like, yeah, you know, there's certain yeah. things. Mm. And then they're they're reading it, and after they read several of these passages that are about God commanding violence or these things, they're like, "What do you think of this?" And they're like, "It's horrible. It's you know, it's a wicked religion. It's violent." Then they take the cover off, and it's a Bible. Hmm. And then you just see they're like, "I was in church my whole life. I didn't know that was in there." Right. And so then you can see it's super unsettling. Mm-hmm. And I think what's going on is that there is. Because the church overall focused so much, and we need to, on the good and positive things in the scriptures, you know, and we memorize like you know the nice positive Bible verses. Then you have those that are trying to disprove the faith right now, and they're pulling to the surface all of the other kind of Bible verses, you know, the wicked, the wicked sounding ones or the the violent ones, and it's catching a lot of younger Christians off guard already when their faith is becoming unstable. And so I think it's just this: the biggest thing we need to be paying attention to more than ever is the or going back to theology, Bible, and making that the foremost thing that we're focusing on, much more than expanding the church through video venues or is our worship music great and all that stuff, because that's not going to solve the this. This is like the underneath most important problem at all, because it redefines God basically. Yeah, that seems to be the key point for me. You said it in one of the earlier stories about, um, I think you were talking about the UCSC student who wrote that letter. And the question for him wasn't just, why is the Bible so evil? Because really, that's not the, the bottom line question. The bottom line question is, okay, well, then if there is a God, and if he's good and loving and kind like you say he is, help me make sense of all this stuff in here that does not seem good and loving yeah. and kind at all. It seems yeah, the opposite. Exactly. Like that same guy, uh, he said the church he came from, and I know the church, uh, he, it was in San Jose, and he's like, you know, it's a thriving church. They have good music. They have relevant preaching. They were a loving church. So this was not a irrelevant church. Right. But he never was taught these kind of things. And so all of a sudden they get surfaced. He asked his parents. First he asked his uh, student leader up on campus. They couldn't answer it. Then he, then he asked his parents. They couldn't answer it. Then he asked his youth leader. And his youth leader was like, you know, kind of like caught off guard. Like, I don't, I don't know. And then uh, what, what he said was after a series of asking questions to the most key influential people in his life, he then didn't, he's like, they don't really know what they believe. So they've been going along with the motions of faith and Christianity, and his church was a good one. He's like, my youth pastor was the most loving guy in the world. My church was relevant. I was involved. But I can't believe this anymore. 
Yeah. Because and he and he got too many. Well, one day in heaven, we'll know the answers. Yeah, right. And that's what he kept saying. Yeah, there's a a tendency for churches to think the answer is how can we be more cool or more relevant and. It's just like, it's not about trying to be cool at this point. I remember, you know, as a youth pastor, even just 10 years ago, if you, you basically wanted to have a big youth group event, you'd bring in like your Christian band, have free pizza and give away, uh, it wasn't an iPad there, but whatever the equivalent to what was cool then was. An iPod. And like iPod, yeah, iPod. (laughs) And like 300 kids would, would come to your youth event. But now those kids have different parents. They have a different worldview and it's not about being cool. They're like, their parents are like, no, you're not allowed to go to that church because mm-hmm. again, that's where the racists are, the bigots mm-hmm. are. And there's, there's this still, we're like 10 years behind. We're trying to be cool as a church rather than giving people a foundation, a stand upon which in a postmodern culture is all the more important because everything floats in a postmodern culture. There's no, there's no grounding. There's no foundation. Ethics float. Everything's up in the air. And what people desperately need is a place to know that they can they can stand on this. Yeah. They can stand on this, and ultimately, you know, going back to your post truth statement, we we believe Christians believe, kind of the great epistemological question is that truth is is best embodied in in a person. Jesus says, "I am the way, the the, the truth, and the life." He is the grounds for our our truth, and that's why his book, the Bible, is is beautiful. We love it, and we think in the midst of all those difficult questions, there's actually really good answers. Mm-hmm. And so people aren't alone with these things. And they're actually, it's good to question. Um, one of the things we did in youth ministry is I made a commitment as a youth pastor was I want my kids to see the most difficult passages of the Bible here and wrestle with them here at church, not off to college when they're disconnected from community and faith. Yeah. Um, and so that they're prepared so they, they can never come back and say, you didn't tell me about this or you lied. Yeah. Type of thing. Well, and you're more rare, unfortunately. You know, like because that's why you're that's why you're drawn to this because so many, I think the pressure on many youth leaders is like you know you got to have more numbers and get the kids in and um, and those things versus like if they're there, are they being introduced to the what you're just talking about? I think um, like in the past, youth ministry. You, you needed to focus on your communication skills and, you know, your even organizational skills and, and the program part of things and, and foremost, loving kids. But now I think it's like when kids are loved or anyone's loved, then the questions are going to come. And I don't think we have prepared youth leaders. Yeah. And young and, and because parents don't know the Bibles either. Like, thank you. Yeah. This, this is another generation where the biblical literacy rate in parents has dropped so much because they've gone through church in the same way. And now all of a sudden you have parents and then their kids that are dealing with the same types of, I don't know how to answer these things. So it's not just the younger generation. I think it's the parents as well that have gone through a decade or two of kind of the pragmatic church of our day, which offered so many great things, but have not really gotten into back into core theology and back into these things again. Some churches, yes, but the overall church, I don't think so. Yeah, that's great. Our hope, you might be listening to this and you're like, whoa, man, this is a bummer. (laughs) I didn't know know there was drowning puppies in Noah's Ark. Yeah, 
And this is obviously like the first word in what we hope is going to be a really helpful conversation ongoing here on the Regeneration Podcast. And I don't know, maybe you're, um, maybe you're one of these youth pastors and you're listening right now and there's a sense of conviction. Um, we're glad and we hope that you'll be on this journey with us. Or maybe you're a church leader and you're thinking about the, the entirety of the church and community that you serve and there's a sense of conviction. Or maybe you're a little overwhelmed and you're like, how, where do I start? I've given so much of my life and so much of my time to growing the church and to figuring out how we do these venues or fix the parking lot, all these things we've mm -hmm. talked about, which – Man, all three of us, having served in the local church for so many years, we we're, we get it, yeah, and we 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 love you, and we love the local church and all her shapes and sizes. Um, but we, I would just want to say, and, and or maybe you're a parent. That's that's the other group I'm thinking a lot about yeah. right now. I know there are parents listening right now, who I hope you feel a sense of hope that um, you're not alone in wrestling with these doubts and questions that your kids. Because I know for parents, um, just I was a youth pastor too, just like Dan and Isaac. And I remember desperation in the voices of parents who were dealing with the doubts and questions and the potential loss of faith that their kids yeah. were going through and the desperation in their voices. Um, and this conversation is for all of you and for anybody else who has doubts and questions or feels overwhelmed with the challenges ahead um, or uh, feels conviction that, man, I, I do need to dig in and ask these questions. And so the Regeneration Podcast, our hope, our highest hope, and our aim is to offer really thoughtful and engaging and interesting and really ultimately helpful and inspiring dialogue um, that equips you to be able to confront some of these questions rather than shying away from them or ignoring them. Um, we're going to be talking to some of the best and brightest thinkers and their specific areas of emphasis um, regarding all these questions in really specific ways. Yeah. Um, and we'll be inviting you to send us questions as well uh, in the coming weeks and months um, so that we can engage those. We'll also be highlighting stories. I mean, another thing we didn't talk about right now is the all the caricatures of the local church that are out there mm -hmm. and the reality is even just between the three of us we've got friends who are leading local churches all over the country uh, who people don't know their stories or their names but they're doing incredible things to reach brand new generations and we want to highlight some of those stories and um, and we want to highlight your stories and highlight the stories of young people who aren't leaving their faith, but journeying back to faith because people are coming alongside them and um, engaging these doubts and questions with them. So, um, Dan, thanks a bunch for sharing. Yeah, well, I think the great part is you guys doing this is that there are, uh, it's like kind of like the bad news is that there's a lot of confusion and post-truth thinking and a lot of, uh, uh, unfortunately, like, um, just uh, not real views of, of Christianity and the faith. Um, and the good news is that there's responses. Like, you know, the Bible yeah. has lasted for, you know, thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but you just did the talk on it. Well, yeah, we did a talk on that at our Regen Forum in the Bay Area. Just, you know, people have tried to destroy the Bible, dictators, emperors, mm. all across the world. Even to this day, there's places you get caught with the Bible, you, you might end up dead. Mm. And the truth is... Uh, 
Jesus and his book continue to flourish. They continues to expand kind of in our Western context in America. It's, it's a little bit more difficult of times, but yeah, there's hope because the church does best under pressure. Hmm. Um, no matter how difficult the times get, uh, we, we believe Jesus Christ is on the throne and by his spirit, he is empowering his church. And that's why we, we love the church. As, as Jay said, we're all pastors. We love the local church. We think Christian theology is beautiful and we think, um, the bride of Christ, the church is beautiful. And so you're not alone. There's really good answers. And we want you to do this journey with us. Tons of conversations, tons of things to come. You know, that's a great segue. The The teaching that Isaac's talking about, it was phenomenal. He just did at our large annual event. Um, so um, it's a great segue just to give you some resources to stay connected to us. The first thing I would say is visit us on our website, yeah. um, regenerationproject.org. And on the website, um, our podcast will be posted there. Uh, you could also find us on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever else you get your podcast and follow us. But on the website, we also post videos of some of the teachings and interviews that we do, uh, the teaching that we're talking about where Isaac um, talked about the history of the Bible and everything it's gone through and all the people who've tried to suppress it and destroy it, who've all failed. Um, mm-hmm. It was a wonderful, amazing teaching with a tremendous tearjerker moment at the end that I won't give away. Yeah, yeah. But you can check out that teaching as well as so many other teachings and interviews on our website, Regen generationproject.org and you can follow us on all the normal social medias you can follow us on twitter um, at rgen project r-g-e-n project and you can find us on instagram at regeneration project and all that other stuff is um it's on the website as well thank you guys so much for listening this is the regeneration podcast and we will talk to all of you real soon